Hello, and welcome to Thank You for Toilet Paper, a history of the little things. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miller. Thank you for joining me today. In today's podcast, I'm going to talk about a few things that I originally had no idea were connected, but it turns out they are. So here we go. Some background first. My family is very musically inclined. Everyone plays an instrument and everyone sings. Like, all the time. Someone once described our household as 40% movie quotes and 60% singing. Or maybe it was the other way around. I don't remember. Basically, there's a lot of voice modulation at any given time. Everyone has their own style. My mother is classically trained, so a classical operatic style is her go-to, so much so that it was actually often a threat at home when the kids were misbehaving. Quote, don't make me go opera on you. Uh, Usually it resulted in very, very high notes, and let's just say it was fairly effective. My sister has a natural mix, and my brothers and father both have more Irish tenors and nice baritones. Everyone sounds beautiful. Then enter me. (laughs) No vibrato, flat tones, but man can I sing loud. I am the loud quacking duckling in the family, also known as the belter. Unfortunately, remember that no vibrato thing, so like, no Broadway for me just yet, but getting the attention of large crowds, I'm your girl. So I decided it was time to look into the history of belting, and film nerd that I am, while watching some video essays on the musical themes of Frozen, because yes, this is what I do in my spare time, and I love it, I also learned about colning. Colning, which has Scandinavian roots, and was used to call cows home off of the mountain. It is stunningly beautiful, and best of all, it is loud. I felt a kinship, I identified with this, and with my own Scandinavian roots in Norway and some adopted family in Sweden, it only seemed right to bring the two together into one loud podcast. All so that I can blame my belting on my Scandinavian heritage. And as I dug deeper, I found that herding calls are actually found all over the world. So, without further ado, let's talk about the history of a few herding calls and we'll throw in some belting for good measure. I promise no singing in this episode, most likely, and mostly because of copyright. And mostly because, yeah, nobody needs to hear that right now. So, to start us off, we're going to take a look at belting and then we'll move into culling and yoik. You might be familiar with belting due to the way it has hit Broadway in recent years. If you've heard of Wicked, the musical, you've likely heard Adina Menzel belting out the top notes of Defying Gravity. If you're not a theater buff, you may be familiar with some other songs that includes the singing technique. These include songs from Demi Lovato, Whitney Houston, Aretha Franklin, Ethel Merman, Adele, Katy Perry, Ariana Grande, Beyonce, and many, many more. So what is belting? In singing, you have what are called different registers. One of these is called the chest register. You have your chest voice and you have your head voice. Typically, you use your chest voice when you are speaking or when you are singing lower notes and your head voice is used to sing higher notes. This is not the case, however, when it comes to belting. In belting, you take the way you sing in your chest voice, which mostly uses your thyroid tenoid muscle. Belting can be described as a high chest voice, meaning the way you typically sing in your chest voice, you're taking that and you're throwing it up to the high notes. It is almost a form of a yell or a soft yell while singing. Joe Estill, a researcher on the topic of belting, has described belting as an, quote, extremely muscular physical way of singing, which really only leaves me picturing Arnold Schwarzenegger singing now, which is amazing. 
Belting improperly, however, just like lifting weights improperly, can strain your muscles, and for singers, the consequences can be dire, from vocal nodes to even losing a part of your vocal range, so you want to take care and make sure you do it properly. But back to Broadway. In the early 20th century, all leading ladies on the Broadway stage sang as classical sopranos. Before then, belting had been reserved for character roles only. Belting itself, however, was not specific to Broadway. It was actually found all over the world, in African music, in the flamenco music of Spain, and the mariachi in Mexico, to Middle Eastern music and religious usage. Belting was used in blues music as well prior to its take to Broadway. It made its huge debut on Broadway in 1930 with Ethel Merman as she sang I Got Rhythm from George Gershwin's Girl Crazy. She held a C above middle C for 16 bars, singing loudly over the orchestra, and everyone was amazed. And so began Belting's rise to the lead characters on the stage, and the crowds, they came a-flocking. Speaking of flocks, yes, oh so smooth like that. Speaking of flocks, let's jump back to our herding calls, shall we? This brings us back to colning. Colning is a form of Scandinavian music that was used to call cows, goats, and other livestock down from the mountain. Typically, the people and the farmers would live in the valleys and then take the livestock up to the mountains to feed. The colning songs were used to call the livestock back, but they could also be used to warn of danger, ask for help, or identify wolves in the area and communicate other things with other herders across large distances. Typically, women who were herding flocks sang these songs. These songs are high-pitched and could be used to communicate over very long distances. One study showed that the sound could be heard 11 meters away or 36 feet away with less decibel decrease. The study found that from 11 meters away, a head voice call decreased by 25.2 decibels, while using calling it only decreased by 9.4 decibels. So it's incredibly more effective to use the calling technique. The songs themselves can often feel ethereal or otherworldly and haunting because of their use of half and quarter notes, which are typically called blue notes. As the call would be made, it would echo up from the valley to the mountains where the cows and other livestock would respond. Some colning calls have been passed down for generations in a family, so each family would have their specific call and their specific livestock would know it and would have heard it for generations. How cool is that to think that some of their ancestors had used the same call and those mountains had been hearing those calls and notes for hundreds of years? In fact, colning has been used since medieval times. The word colning is a Swedish word derived from the word ku for cow and lok, which means to call or to coax. Kolning is considered a key part of Nordic folk music traditions and has even been called a kind of forest opera. The calls can be complex or simple, and while many calls have been passed down for generations, improvisation is also an important part of kolning. Kolning calls have been used for calling livestock, but they also recently made their way into more popular music. As I mentioned, they are featured in the music of Frozen and Frozen 2. It has also been used in operas composed by Edvard Grieg in video game music, and even in an episode of Scooby-Doo and Guess Who featuring Sia. Kolning, however, was never used for religious purposes. If you want to look for calls that have religious significance in the region, then you'll want to learn about the Yoik. A Yoik is a traditional song of the Sami people of Northern Europe. Originally, the word Yoik referred to a specific type of Sami song, but it has since been broadened to include describing all Sami singing styles generally. In Sami tradition, each yoik is meant to reflect or represent people, animals, nature, and places, 
Rather than describing, the songs are meant to evoke the very thing itself. Most yoics don't attempt to describe by words, necessarily. In fact, some have no lyrics at all. So rather than describing a river, the song and its sounds reflect the very river itself, mimicking the sounds of the river or the water flowing. Oral traditions tell a tale of the fairies and elves of the land giving the yoics to the Sami people. The yoic itself has existed continuously for so long that music researchers believe it is among the longest traditions of music in Europe. When Christianity hit, however, the Sami people's yoiking was considered sinful and was condemned as it was considered to be controversial and sound like they were casting magic spells. During the assimilation policies, this was a time where there were policies in place to Norwegianize the Sami people. During this time, yoiking was condemned and actually forbidden to be used in Sami area schools. Yoiking is still used today, however, and there are two styles. One is the more traditional, mumbling style, and the more modern style is sung by the younger generations. Typically, yoiks are sung a cappella, although more modern songs have included drums as well. Yoiks are also usually pentatonic, meaning that they use five tones. However, singers can go beyond these tones if they so choose. In northern Sami areas, yoiks are personal and assigned to a person at birth. In the south, however, the Sami people sing fewer yoiks because of the assimilation policies. Some have identified similarities of yoic practices with some Siberian cultures, as well as northern Asian cultures. Yoiks have begun to enter more popular culture and a... Yoiks themselves, however, have begun to enter more popular culture. A Eurovision Song Contest entry from Norway in 1980 featured a song sung in Norwegian with yoiking in the chorus. It's since been used as a game chant by Norwegian football team fans on occasion. Another way yoiking has entered modern culture brings us back to, you guessed it, Frozen, which drew heavily on Scandinavian and Sami culture. It's incredible to think that there are so many traditions that rely on music to bring people together. I'm grateful to learn that when things are far away, sometimes you can just sing to bring it back rather than having to yell, and that singing can actually be more effective. We'll have to revisit the topic of singing at another time, because I also recently learned about the diving songs of South Korean female divers, and that got me thinking about songs people have sung over the centuries to just get stuff done. From working songs to marching songs, there are loads of possibilities, but we'll have to come back to that in another podcast. For now, hopefully, this brightened your day a little bit, and we can be grateful that we can sing to bring things back to us. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a great week.